Welcome to By the Fiberside, a knitting and spinning podcast from the southern edge of northern Alberta, Canada. Episode 4 Decisions, Decisions. Life at its simplest is a series of decisions. What do I have for breakfast? How many layers does the weather dictate today? Which route should I take into work? When should I take my vacation? Simple questions, yet with their own inherent complexity. If I choose to have something other than my normal breakfast, I may get hungry earlier and not have enough food with me. If I choose to wear too few layers, I may get cold. There may be construction on my regular route to work that slows me down by a couple of minutes. And yes, that did happen to me last week. And if I take a week off now, which I did, what do I do with it? And what do I do with the vacation days I have left for the year? Each decision begets more decisions to be made. But we're knitters. We know that, intimately. We purchase yarn without a project in mind, and then have to decide on the project. Or we decide on a project and then head off to the local yarn store or online shops and have to decide on the yarn. Even after that decision is made, there are multitudes of other ones. Sizing, needles for gauge, when to start, constant checks to evaluate the suitability of pattern to yarn, and the ultimate decision, to finish or frog. Almost a decade ago, I made a decision to take a job in Edmonton, and Mike made a decision to come with me. Some decisions have far-reaching consequences, and this was one. Neither of us has regretted that decision. It was the right one for us at the time, and our experiences since have borne that out. One should not be afraid to make the big decisions, because they mean change on a large scale. If I finish the 2009 sweater, and it's too big, then I will tear it out, despite the fact it means losing all that work. In the end, what have I really lost? A garment that I will never wear? But I have gained a great deal of experience. I can cable with the best of them now, and have a slightly better understanding of garment construction. I've learned the benefits of keeping notes on a project, because I didn't for the fronts, and they're slightly different. And I've learned that I quite like the yarn. But if I finish it and it fits, then the decisions I made about the sweater four years ago stand true. This past week... Mike got a job in Calgary. As far as decisions go, it was relatively simple. For his career progression, it is the right job at the right time, just three and a half hours south of home. But we're almost ten years older and wiser this time, and so we've decided to put off a few decisions. Questions like, are we moving back? Where will we live? And what will Ness do? Are waiting until the probationary period is up, and we're certain that this decision was the right one. And the decision to put off those decisions means that, for the first time in a decade, I'll be living alone for an extended period of time. Solitude doesn't bother me, though I am a bit out of practice at it. And in these days of hyper-connectivity, people are just a phone call, text message, email, Ravelry forum, podcast, or knitting group away. And just as when I moved from my parents' home into my little apartment, I have fiber arts to keep me company. There's homework to do projects to knit, a tapestry to work on, and a podcast to record. I will not be lacking in distractions, certainly. 
I don't know if this is anyone else's experience, but I tend to find that days drag, weeks are long, but months just fly by. So I expect that, between the combination of fiber arts and time's tendency to be deceiving, three months will be over before I've had a chance to blink. I'm not afraid of big decisions. It was a big decision to move away from our family and friends ten years ago, but it was the right one. I can't imagine what our lives would be like if we weren't asked to make big decisions. Even if the answer is to maintain the status quo, the simple act of making that decision is the important one. It forces us to evaluate, to take a look at our lives, where they are, and where we'd like them to end up. It forces us to make that ultimate decision, to finish or frog. We've put off the big decision until we have more information. We're continuing this project for a few inches to see how the yarn and the pattern go together. Who knows? The gauge may be wrong, or the yarn may be a bad match for the pattern. In that case, what have we lost? Nothing. We've gained experience, and we still have the yarn. And if they do go together, then we'll just have to keep knitting until we have a finished garment. But we'll figure that out in a little bit. For now, we'll just keep knitting. Thanks for listening. This is By the Fiberside. Fiber Week. Well, here we are. We're about one week away from the start of registration for Fiber Week. And... I don't think I'm halfway through my homework, but this this week off that I had this past week was really good. I I managed to get a lot done. I finished my color wheel, which is module B6 with the blending. Um, Lots of fun. I decided to, for my 10-yard skein, to recreate the orange skein, which ended up being within 1% of 30% red and 70% yellow. Had enough for that, so I recreated that orange skein for the for the 10 yard skein and my got my color wheel finished and and that was that was wonderful it's a that's a pretty big part of the homework so it was good to get that done i also washed some of the fleece that i have left uh, six six pieces of that uh the corydale didn't dry for like five days it's pretty crazy but it was dry enough yesterday that i managed to spin the 100 percent medium medium grade fleece uh, skein for module C6, C1, C6, C1. I can't keep my numbers straight anymore. Um, I also carted up a few Rolags out of Merino for module B2, which is uh, to spin woolen. I haven't spun woolen since Fiber Week, so I carted up a few more than I'm going to need just to practice. I need to figure out the tension on my wheel and get that figured out. But uh, but I'm feeling really good about what I accomplished this week in terms of my level two homework. Just got to keep going. Um, I'm pretty well ready now for for all the blends in modules uh, C1 and B3. So that's what I'm going to be working on putting together in the next couple of weeks. Um, I also started getting, I don't know if you saw on the blog, but I started getting my binder together. I've got... Uh, I thought about using um, film negative sleeves to hold the skeins, and that actually is working out really well. I think it will work um, decently any for, well, it's working great for the skeins. I'm not sure. I have to do some playing to see how it's going to work with things like swatches, the pieces of unspun 
uh, fiber that I have to include as well. But I think it's going to work okay. So that's that's where I'm at with my level two, level two homework. Um, I just went into my box for level one and pulled out module A3, which is the shearing in the parts of the fleece. I didn't really have anything in particular that related to what I was doing um, uh, with level two to talk about. But I started to think about this because I did wash the fleece and, and the, one of the six pieces that I had was the side. And, and so module A3 um, is about shearing in the parts of the fleece. It's, it's good to, you know, keep a few things in mind when you're, when you're dealing with raw fleece. We had a bit of a discussion on the Ravelry group about, well, I just started talking about raw fleece and it got me thinking about raw fleece a little more because I don't really enjoy the whole prep part. I mean, I know you can get some really good prep by hand and I spun with the Corydale anyway, cause I combed it and, and then spun it worsted. I actually ended up with quite a nice skein, but the Merino just wasn't, it's not happy with me. I, I'm not really happy with the Rolex. And, and part of that is just the, the, the raw fleece. There's like there's there's second cuts and little bits of this and that and the other thing and I don't know how it's going to look in the yarn so I may end up having to you know do all that woolen stuff again where am I going with this the the shearing and the parts of the fleece when you actually have a whole fleece in front of you and depending on the quality of the fleece there is different characteristics to each part of the fleece and this exercise is actually really good for for sort of delving into how the fleece is actually put together, well, you know, how the different parts of a sheep grow different, you know, kinds of fleece. The fleece I ended up with out of uh, level one, uh, there really wasn't a lot of variation uh, in between the different, you know, six different sections of the of the fleece. But there were those small differences. And, and if I'd had a fleece that was slightly more variable, that that would have been cool too but the thing there are definitely things i noticed the neck i noticed was a little shorter in terms of the staple length some of some of it was softer some of it you know, this fleece that i got was brown but for example the 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 back of the sheep had a little more gray in it which was interesting it's like you wouldn't think that a piece of a sheep and that may vary you know between breed and breed but but there's color variation in a solid fleece based on the part of the sheep. And, uh, you know, the rump was a little longer. The neck was a little shorter. Sometimes the lock definition was different, you know, between the different pieces of the fleece. It's, it's an interesting exercise to, to look at, you know, like to, to critically look at how a fleece is different from section to section. So it's definitely because I think for a Shetland, uh, mine was not a Shetland, but I think in a Shetland, um, the neck is where all that, the softest stuff comes from. And that's what they spin the, the lace weight for the shawls out of, but not the rest of the sheep. So, I mean, depending on the breed, you know, there's different uses for each of the different pieces of the fleece, but you can use it all for different things. So it's, it's definitely an interesting exercise uh, to, to go through. 
with with commercial prep, obviously it's all mixed together, and you don't see, you know, that much variation. But but yeah, when you do work with raw fleece, you can pick out the pieces that you want to use, and I think maybe that's where, especially with the merino that I just carted up for the Rolex that I'm not happy with. I think I have to pull all the merino out of that bag, and and critically pick the locks that I want to spin at this point. So, so yeah, I hope that's at least some useful information for, for anybody in level one or anybody who's just looking at, at using raw fleece. Like I said, it's not something that I enjoy, enjoy, but it is, it it can be fun. And if you do have an opportunity to go out and watch a shearer at work, it's definitely worth it because they're, it's it's just amazing how quickly a sheep can be sheared and and how well they are how good they are at their jobs you know it's a skill it's definitely a skill and to see a good shearer at work is 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 pretty interesting so that's i guess it for the fiber week segment i'm going to be um registering for level 3 next week yes i am I'm committing to it because then I'm going to get my homework done. And that'll also mean that it's three months that I have to finish my homework. And you know what? I'm, I'm actually feeling pretty good about where I am right now. I think that's certainly possible. So that's the Fiber Week update for this episode. Fiberside Chat. I know this is the episode where I should be bringing you a couple of reviews and side notes, but I thought instead to bring you an interview I did this week with a local knit and crochet designer. Her name is Jessie McKittrick. She is uh, a member of my Tuesday Knitting Group, and she just had a pattern released, or just published, uh, for some decadent leg warmers, and that marks her 11th published pattern. So she's a fairly new designer. And I thought it would be interesting to talk to her about what got her into designing and what her designing process is. So without further ado, I'd like to bring you a Fiberside Chat with Jessie McKittrick. Okay. <laughs> uh, sometimes, I'm, sometimes I sit down in front of the microphone and I feel silly. Oh, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, so. I'm sure I'll get more comfortable as the Probably. talk goes on. All right, well, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit? And, okay. and we'll start there. Well, I'm Jessie McKittrick. I uh, took up uh, crochet and uh, then a little bit later took up knitting um, about, oh, um, I guess, 2007, 2006, I think, is when I started crochet and then knitting, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, later in 2008, I think. Mm-hmm. So, but you've, you've, you've done some of your own designing too, right? Yes. And that, that's a whole other step. Like, I just did a little sock, quote unquote, and... That was kind of scary. <laughs> so, so yeah. what, what inspired you to start designing your own patterns? Well, I tended to find every so often if I couldn't find quite what I was looking for out there to knit or crochet, I just uh, pretty much make it up. Um, mm-hmm. The few things weren't really necessarily worth writing down or sharing, but mm-hmm. uh, uh, there's one that I thought was way too cute not to share, and that was a, a potholder I made for my husband's aunt for Christmas, and. Uh, 
uh, what I wanted was she she collects snowmen, mm-hmm. so it made a round potholder that looked like it was the snowman's head. Okay. And I used tapestry crochet to integrate the other color changes within it so that it wouldn't be too bumpy and it'd be a nice flat surface. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, that worked out pretty well. Um, though I do regret that I I haven't been able to figure out how to do a nice round diagram for this. <laughs> so people have to follow written instructions for that one, mm-hmm. and that's another reason that one's a free pattern because um, I <laughs> certainly didn't feel like I should charge money for something that didn't have a diagram when it was that yeah. complicated. But um, mm-hmm. it, I think um, uh, there have been a number of projects. People have done some great jobs with them. Someone did, uh, I think, look like a Jack Skellington version. And oh, that's, that's cool. pretty cool. That one's a recent project that just popped up. So <laughs> It must be fun to see people do your designs and see what they can do with them. Oh, it's great fun checking out what people have done with things. Yeah. Uh, I know another one that I've had a number of people have done was a crocheted pattern, another free one. Uh, it's another Christmas project that <laughs> worked out really well. I've made dice bags for my gaming group. Oh, okay. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, I used tapestry crochet again and uh, put in just little motifs that I thought would match their characters. Mm-hmm. And since then, people have made some really neat things. A couple have made uh, the fireball one seems to be the most popular, or oh, okay. people make up their own designs on them. And then there's the Cthulhu dice bag is the one that uh, someone <laughs> just... You know, basically took the basic design and then riffed on it and made their own thing with it. And it's pretty cool. It's got tentacles. That's awesome. So not from the original design, but brilliant. So (laughs) I like, uh, yeah, I like seeing what people do and when they improvise on it. That's cool. Because that's how you started, right? Oh, yes. Was improvising on on other people's patterns. Mm -hmm. So, well, that's good. Yeah, it gave me a good sense of where I could go with things. And, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, learned a lot from so many different sources so but if you only started back in like 2007 that's only been what like six six years pretty much wow that's i mean i've been knitting for quite a bit longer and i've only just started like you know (laughs) faking it oh well you know i think um it's uh i've never let i don't know how stop me from doing something if i want to get it done yeah i just uh sometimes depends on what it is i mean with some things i procrastinate about it because i'm not sure where to go where to start Mm -hmm. but um i'm finding with uh, knitting crochet there's so much excellent support out there in the knitting Mm -hmm. community that i just i feel confident to just go ahead and try it out and see if it works Mm -hmm. the ravelry is really good for that oh brilliant yeah Mm -hmm. that's good so you've uh, you've started putting your patterns on on the knit picks um, independent designer site. You've got uh, three, three on there. Um, yes, I have three on there now. Okay, yeah. and the latest one is uh, is the the um, the cashmere leg warmers. Oh yes, <laughs> <laughs> which are um, just a little bit of luxury, I guess. Oh yes, a bit extravagant for something like leg warmers, mm-hmm. but really, I do find that uh, when I wear wool socks with uh, with leggings, that I, I can feel it right through them. If, oh, if they're yeah. an itchy wool, but mm-hmm. uh, you know what you do to be warm is what you do to be warm. But I mm-hmm. think with a pair of nylons or tights or something, you, know, you might enjoy the cashmere a bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that started because uh, the or that that design came out of uh, Knit Picks had yarn that they wanted things designed for. Yes, yeah, that the Knit Picks Capra that they mm-hmm. want promoted. They'd actually put out a call for uh, design submissions for an ebook that they're doing. Okay, that one wasn't accepted to the ebook, um, but mm-hmm. you know I thought it. Might fit with that, but of course, you know, I knew it was a long shot with leg warmers because they're going to prefer to have a bunch of sweaters and things primarily yeah. and maybe a few accessories to round it out. So mm-hmm. there'd probably be a lot of submissions for accessories because it's much quicker to design a few accessories. So mm-hmm. I thought, okay, well, I'll put it in the pool if they like it, great. And said, well, we'd like it for the Independent Designers Program if you'd like, though. And mm-hmm. so I thought, well, sure, why not? <laughs> no, that's good. They're, they're a nice quick knit. Good, mm-hmm. good fun. Yeah. 
and the one before that was uh, was the stole. Oh yes, um, which is beautiful, and I really need to buy it oh. because it's it's gorgeous, and I'd love to make it. And that was um, what what yarn was that from Knit Picks? Uh, Galileo, and right? So that's, and it was uh, it was sort of the same thing. They they needed designs for this particular yarn. Yes, in that case, they were just asking. Uh, they had a couple of different yarns that they particularly wanted submissions for because mm-hmm. it was a newer line at the time, um, and it's a merino bamboo, mm-hmm. uh, quite nice and drapey. And I thought. Well, let me see. They wanted mostly wraps and transitional type items mm-hmm. that could carry through seasons. And I thought, uh, yeah, something in the way of a rectangular shawl or stole would be mm-hmm. the right sort of thing for it. Mm-hmm. And then I, yeah, so, played around with it a bit. <laughs> yeah, so what made you decide to do cables over lace? Well, I was uh, thinking about it and as a shawl. I wanted to do something with cables and lace, but I got to thinking, what would happen if you had the cables traveling across a lace background? Okay. instead of either a pearl background or a garter stitch background, that sort mm-hmm. of thing. And thought, well, can that be done? So I did a bit of swatching and, oh, hey, yeah, that works. And uh, mm-hmm. played around with it a bit. And I, I think it worked out quite nicely, really. It, mm-hmm. um, it, it's uh, somehow dense and airy at the same time, in a way. <laughs> yeah. No, I really I really like how it looks. So, so yeah, it's definitely it's in my queue somewhere in my oh, queue. Thanks. So... So all your uh, all your patterns are available through Ravelry, they are, yes. as well as the three uh, that are also available through Nitpicks. Yeah, yeah. So okay. Um, so what do you what do you plan to do going forward? Oh, well, um, uh, looking at a few more designs, I'd certainly like to uh, actually see about getting published in other area, um, other publications um, besides Nitpicks, mm-hmm. um, and you know probably future ones for Nitpicks as well. Um, the independent designers program is quite. Uh, quite easy to work with mm-hmm. and uh, it was well set up um, but I'm looking at a few more accessories patterns I'm thinking of mittens mm-hmm. and uh, a hat mm-hmm. um, I'd like to actually get into garments mm-hmm. uh, as well um, I've, I'm playing ra- around with a kid's sweater idea and okay. uh, possibly a skirt or something I'm mm. not actually completely sure yet it's still in the mulling over process yeah. right now which is very early stages the skirt particularly mm-hmm. I've just started to look at other skirt patterns to figure out what sort of measurements uh, I'd like to actually grade it for a wide variety of sizes mm-hmm. is the main thing with that one so I want to take a lot of time to make sure um, it'll work at all the sizes I'd like to make it, it available for yeah exactly well, that sounds interesting so so do you do you design for like Edmonton kind of well because we have, well, yeah. a, we have a particular climate here. <laughs> we do, we do. It's, it's, it's funny, I recently looked at, uh, the. Uh, there's a book out recently, November Knits. Mm-hmm. Lovely book, gorgeous, great stuff in it. But I'm looking at it thinking, don't you mean September? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because that's what the weather is here. I'm yeah. Like, this is the sort of thing we'd wear in September up here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I looked at it and um, I, I really don't feel inclined to make a lot of spring-summer type knits unless... Mm-hmm. They're also something you could wear in the fall, really, or yeah. as layers, because mm-hmm. summer is so short, it's, oh, I know. you know, <laughs> it doesn't seem to be worth knitting something specifically for summer. Yeah, for, for the uh, one month out of the year, we can be guaranteed yeah. not to wear wool. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, I, I could think um, shawls and the like mm-hmm. make sense for that, because yeah. you can wear it spring through fall, even in the winter, you're dressing mm-hmm. up, put it over top of what you're wearing, great. Yeah. So that makes sense, and that would be my equivalent of summer knitting, which mm-hmm. would be something, yeah, can carry you through other seasons as well, or mm-hmm. a very light sweater, sure, but uh, yeah, yeah, I 
tank tops and whatnot, I'm just, yeah, not usually tempted. <laughs> well, no, yeah, because there's really no point in spending that much time on a tank top mm-hmm. that, that, again, yeah, you, you can wear maybe two, three months out of the oh, year. Oh, definitely. I can definitely see why they'd be popular items in California, but yes. uh, up here, not so much. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. Um, I don't know. Is there anything else you want to say? Sure. Um, let me see. We were talking a bit about process as well. Yeah, let's talk about right. process. Um, uh, for the most part, um, sometimes an idea will come to me from mm-hmm. goodness knows where. Other times it's something I'm consciously looking at, like for the starlet stole, mm-hmm. looking at what would work well with this yarn in order to um, promote some of the bamboo's properties, such as a drape and the fact that it actually stretches a fair bit. So mm-hmm. I want to make it either somewhat stable or in the case of start stole I blocked it really hard so mm-hmm. I made use of that stretch to really open it up nicely right but from there I usually well do a little bit of swatching or writing things down I like doing a lot of color work I've done that with both crochet and with knitting mm-hmm. so with that I'll head on the computer and figure out pattern repeats and charting and play around with different mm-hmm. figures and ideas that I have in my head there mm-hmm. um, like for the pop and jay uh, fingerless uh, mittens yeah. that I did uh, so that was, I, I found a design that I liked. I just knew I wanted fingerless mittens and I wanted to make something really special for me. And then from there decide, okay, this is too good not to share. So mm-hmm. shopped it around to find someone to publish it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I um, found um, in a book of uh, textiles from the Middle Ages, mm-hmm. found just a wee little image of birds and figured, okay, can I make that bigger? And mm-hmm. played around again with graph paper and that and then on the computer to get it charted mm-hmm. out. So you do both on in paper and on the computer as well? I do, yes. Yeah. So, um, I find what, once it's on the computer, it's um, maybe a little more developed or I have some idea of what I'm doing mm-hmm. on papers when I'm a little more at the, okay, let's mess around with this for a while. Yeah, the sketching. Fifth stage, yeah. Yeah. And, um, well, from there, I do like to have pretty much the whole thing theoretically written out before I start actually knitting. Mm-hmm. I find if I have everything laid out then and try and think through all the things I'm going to have to run into if it's um then I just make minor changes later mm-hmm. if I run into problems when I'm knitting yeah like it like for a fingerless mitten you know where the where the thumb is going to go and, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing and then if it doesn't quite work there then you can just yeah move figure around, out where it's going to work do that sort of thing mm-hmm. yeah well that's good so. well thanks for taking that time to interview with me today oh well happy to thanks good <laughs> Fiber Notes. So for this episode's Fiber Notes segment, I don't have a ton to talk about because I've been mostly doing my homework for level two, but I have been working a little bit on both Wave Maiden and the Spat Socks. So with Wave Maiden, I'm, I think I'm within two to three repeats of the body chart away from doing the knitted on edge. I have to do a bit of counting, just make sure. Um, but I think I am really close, which should be should be interesting just to do that that knitted on edge and then then wave maiden is finished just needs to be blocked. I'm really enjoying working with the yarn. The color is great. The actual texture of the yarn is fantastic, and the pattern's pretty simple. I've got it pretty well memorized now, so so that's good. With the spat socks, I'm ready to do the heel. Uh, they're still really fraternal, which is awesome. And so, yeah, I'll get the heel flaps done, and then I can work on the heel, and then and it's just the, the foot and the toe, and then I have a new pair of socks, which is great, because 
I've had to throw out a lot of store-bought socks in the last month, and I have basically just enough to get through a week between my hand-knit ones and the and the store-bought ones. I actually had to go buy a couple more store-bought pairs of socks just to be able to have enough socks for a week. Um, on the spinning side, apart from the homework, I've been doing a little bit of work on the travel spindle project, just whenever I have time where I'm sitting waiting. Uh, so I'm about halfway through plying that, which is good, considering how life is going. I'd like to get that done, finished, and then find a project for it so that I can knit it and put it on. But otherwise, I've just been doing homework, which is not necessarily a bad thing. I, I really do need to finish off that homework. But I'm back to work next week, so either Wave Maiden or the socks will be coming with me to do on my breaks. And we will have a bit more to report in two weeks. By the Wayside. Oh, by the wayside. I haven't worked on the tapestry in two weeks. And for the first week, I really don't have any excuses. For this last week, I've been uh, pet sitting for a friend. And I do that immediately following work. And that's when I usually work on the tapestry. So basically, I get home and we eat dinner right away. So, yeah. I feel a bit bad about that. And I don't know necessarily if it's going to get any better. Because with Mike leaving, um, he's the one that's been cooking. And now I'm going to have to cook for myself. Which will take up the time that I had set aside to work on the tapestry. So I think I have to rethink my, my plan as to when I'm going to be working on it. So I'm not even going to bother posting a picture I'll just, I could repost the one from last week because there really hasn't been any change. But I'm going to rethink about when I'm going to be working on the tapestry and then get some work done in these next couple of weeks. So I'm really, I feel really guilty. I'm really sorry, Nathan, that I haven't worked on your tapestry. But I'm still committing to it. This segment is really motivating because I don't want to have to report again that I have not worked on it. So I, I will be getting something done in the next couple of weeks. I'm going to try and figure out with the new schedule that we're going to be in or that I'm going to be in when I'm going to be able to, to set aside time for it. And we'll keep working. Thank you for joining me for episode four. By the Fiberside is a bi-weekly podcast, and I look forward to bringing you episode five on March 10th, 2013. Show notes for this episode can be found at www.bythefiberside.com. Join the discussion in our group on Ravelry. If you need to get in touch with me directly, you can email me at ness, as in lochness, at bythefiberside.com. Thanks again for listening. This is By the Fiberside.